Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 63. Today we're going to be revisiting a popular show from our Productivity Archives. We'll be talking to productivity and success transformation coach Craig Ballantyne about his new book, The Perfect Day Formula. Craig is going to tell us how you can use his proven productivity and habit frameworks that have helped hundreds of thousands of people get better results in their lives and their businesses. Good morning, Craig. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Thank you very much. Well, happy to be here. It's great to have another Craig on the broadcast. So welcome on board, Craig. (laughs) I think it's going to be a little confusing, but uh, (laughs) I think we'll do okay. I think so, too. Sounds great. Well, Craig, uh, we're excited to talk to you today about your book, The Perfect Day Formula. Tell us what inspired you to write the book. Well, really, it's a compendium of everything that I've learned over the last 10 years as I've tried to make myself more productive. You know, like you and many of your listeners, I'm sure that you want to get more done and make big accomplishments in your life. And that means we have to get a lot done in our workday. And that's how I felt. And so I started studying the secrets of productivity experts. And I started studying my day and realized exactly what would allow me to get more done and have more success in life. And then I put it all together in this book to share with many other people. And how long have you been interested in productivity? I mean, how did you get your start thinking about it? Oh, probably way back in high school. I've been a self-improvement and personal development junkie ever since then, reading many books and trying to get, again, as much as I could done over the course of the day. I mean, I was the kind of kid who, who did homework in high school. And for my generation, that's not very normal. And so I did want to get a lot done. I wanted to study, get into the best schools. And then when I was in school, I was actually trying to figure out how I could get even more done and you know make more money while I was a student and then build my online business and my personal training business. So I've always been into this. And it's really exciting to finally really get traction as I did a few years ago and then be able to help other people get unstuck so that they could also achieve the big breakthrough that I've experienced. That's so great that you've taken your experience and found a way to make a significant contribution to others in the process. Tell us about you know this formula, the methodology you developed. Well, it all started with Stoic philosophy and a phrase from a, a Stoic philosopher named Epictetus who said, control what you can, cope with what you can't, and concentrate on what counts. I realized that's a perfect fit for the three parts of the day. We control our morning so that we get more done. We cope with the chaos of the world in the afternoon, and then we concentrate on what counts at night when we're able to spend time with our families and our hobbies and our health. And that really, really fit, and it's really been a message that's been well-received by so many people who understand the importance of using their work days as best as possible so that they're not working overtime at night and they're not glued to their phones at night so they can actually be present with the people that matter. And Craig, how did that evolve for you from the standpoint of controlling what you can? How have you transformed that into your world? 
Well, it really comes down to the fact that we can only control our thoughts, words, and our deeds. And in the morning, we can control what time we get up. We can control the number one thing that we do first thing in the morning, whether it's exercising because we need to improve our health or whether it's sitting down and planning out a family budget in order to get out of debt or to make more money and find ways that we can boost our income or to sit down like I do and write in the morning because I'm a writer and I sit down for 60 minutes in the morning and I crank out as much content as I possibly can, just like one of my virtual mentors, I would call him Stephen King, who's a writer, and he writes from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. every day. And so a lot of these successful figures control their mornings by doing their number one most important activity so that they get ahead in life. What I've been blown away by is how early you actually start, 4 a.m., well, I, I grew up on a farm, so I have a farmer's mentality. And so, you know, you get up as early as the work needs to be done. And what I actually realized over the years, Shai, is that I'm a morning person. And so I used to try and sleep in when I had a little bit more freedom when I started going full time with my online business. But I realized I had this anxiety building up because I felt like I was chasing the tail of the world. And even if I tried to work late at night, it just did not sit with me. And so most people are either morning people or just regular hour people. There's not a lot of people who are genetically night owls. But what most people will find is that there's fewer distractions first thing in the morning. Nobody's emailing you. Nobody's calling you on the phone. So that is very precious time. And I encourage people to make the most of it. And did you slowly evolve into getting up earlier or did you go right into four o'clock? No, no, it was definitely a slow evolution. In fact, it was five minutes at a time. So when I started it, it was 7.30 a.m. was when I was getting up. And I just went five minutes at a time every couple of days and worked my way back until I felt like, ah, this is the right, perfect time. And so to me, the morning is spiritual. It's just a magic time for me to be up again. There's nobody bothering you. You're not competing against the world for anything. And it really is fantastic. Now, I don't believe that everyone needs to get up at four o'clock in the morning. Not at all. But what I do recommend is that people get up five, 10 or 15 minutes earlier than they are right now. And they identify their number one problem or opportunity in their life. And they go down to their kitchen table or to their work desk and they sit there and they think about the number one problem or opportunity in their life and they make a plan to take advantage of it or to fix it. And if people did that six days a week, they would make incredible progress because that time and that thinking would compound and they would really get payoffs. It shows up as sort of the golden hours when the world is quiet and you're able to concentrate and your mind is alive. And then you get into the reality of when this chaos starts. When I read this, I thought, oh, yeah, I can see it. When everybody starts arriving, whether it be at the workplace, the office, or the virtual workplace, all of a sudden you're into the world coming after you. What's that like for you? Well, it's being able to plan ahead and be proactive. So everyone knows that the world is going to bring them chaos, and we all know that we're going to have problems over the course of the day, but there's two ways of going about that. You can be reactive and just you know wait until the world throws its emergencies at you, and that really leads to a lot of struggle. You end up at 5 o'clock thinking, man, I was really busy today, but I didn't accomplish anything. Or you can take the proactive approach and sit there and think, okay, I know that there's going to be obstacles in these areas of life. I don't know exactly what obstacles are going to be. But I'm going to start thinking of solutions that are going to be general for this area in life. Like, for example, my kids 
eventually going to have a sick day or they're going to have some problems at school. I need to be mentally prepared for that. And I need to know what my plans are going to be, my emergency plans for dealing with these emergencies. And if you can think about life that way, then it's less stressful when these things actually do pop up. And that really speaks to your idea of rules and creating rules for your life. You know, when I first read about this in your book, it really made me pause and think about, you know, there are things that I do that I know are habits and there are habits that I've created with intention and those feel like rules to me. But I guess I never really heard someone put it that way about creating rules for your life. Tell us a little bit about what inspired that. Yeah, that's a great question. And I know that a lot of people will bristle at that and think, oh, no, I don't need more rules in my life. But here's how rules actually bring us freedom. So first of all, the next time you're in your car, I'm sure you're going to stop at every red light that comes up. And that's a rule that society has put in place so that we can get to where we want to go safely and have freedom to enjoy where we get to. And that's the same sort of mentality that we need to have when we're putting together rules for our own personal life. You don't have to use the word rules. You can call them personal philosophies. Or if you're more techie, you can think of in terms of having an operating system for your life. And it's really just here's how I operate. Here are the boundaries that keep me out of trouble and keep me moving ahead. And the way that I actually came about it was I always think in terms of health and fitness. And I realized that a lot of people who have nutrition rules – For example, someone who is on a paleo diet, that means they don't eat grains, they don't eat wheat, they don't eat sugar. And if they go to a birthday party where people are offering up chocolate cake, they'll just say, no, I don't eat that stuff. I don't eat uh, cake or flour. But someone else who's just trying to lose 10 pounds and they're trying to resist that cake on discipline and willpower alone will have a much harder time because they don't have a rule built around that. They're just trying to rely on their own internal strength. And that's where we fail. So if we put together our operating system and say, you know, this is my rule for acting in groups at work. This is my rule for my health. This is my rule for what I do first thing in the morning. And this is my rule for, you know, the number one activity I take on my wealth building every day. And this is my social rule. And this is my, you know, personal development rule. If you have little rules like that, again, the operating system in place, you rely less on discipline and willpower. And it makes it easier for the right actions to become automatic. And therefore, you have more success. Yeah, it defines life a little bit cleaner. I can see that being very effective. You also mentioned the five pillars of personal transformation. Tell us a little more about that. Those are what I discovered from my weight loss transformation success story. So in my fitness business, I've been running the classic before and after weight loss transformation contests since 2008. We've had 25 contests and four winners in each contest in the various categories. And each person submits a little essay, 200 or 300 words, and I read them. And every time I see the winner's essay, I think, oh, my gosh, they have these five pillars in common. And people that drop out after two weeks, I realize they're missing two or three of these. And what they are are really five rules that allow people to have success, not just in weight loss, but in any area of life. And so you can change any habit you want with these five. And here they go. It starts with better planning and preparation. So most people start January 1st and they think, oh, it's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose 10 pounds, or I'm going to make 10,000 more dollars this year. And that's it. They don't plan any further ahead. And then, of course, they're the people that drop out after two weeks. 
But if you actually think, well, if I want to lose 10 pounds and I have to follow this nutrition program and I have to go and do this exercise three days per week, then you have better planning and preparation. Or if you want to make an extra $10,000 and you know that that will require an extra 20 sales calls and you know that in order to get 20 sales calls, you have to make 200 contacts. Now you have a better plan in place for you to achieve that big goal. So it all starts with better planning and preparation. Then it gets into a few people that you need to have in your life. And that starts with pillar number two, your professional accountability. That's your coach. That's the person that's going to give you expert advice and hold you accountable. And the third pillar is similar but different. It's positive social support. And those are your cheerleaders for life, the people that are going to pick you up when you're feeling down. Now, that's different from professional accountability because cheerleaders will never give you expert advice and they won't really hold you accountable. If you mess up, they'll just say, ah, oh, you know, you're going to do better tomorrow. But they won't ask you why and help you figure out a plan for avoiding that in the future. But those are pillars two and three. Then we get into pillar number four, which is a meaningful incentive. And it has to be meaningful to you. If we go back to that example I talked about at the start with pillar number one, you know, people often say, I want to lose 10 pounds. And if I do that, then, you know, I'll buy myself a new pair of jeans. And again, that only gets you through that first two weeks of motivation. But when you have a tough day, those genes aren't a real meaningful incentive for you to change. A meaningful incentive for somebody in our weight loss contest is to have more energy for their children or to look better for their spouse to rekindle that relationship. And so the incentive that you give yourself has to be meaningful to you. And then finally, the fifth pillar, this is the one that actually has the greatest impact when they're all in place. And it's the big deadline. And we see as business owners how the big deadline spurs people to action. If we ever have a sale in our business and the sale ends Friday at 5 p.m., so many people rush into the store to beat that deadline. Just like so many people rush into the malls on December 23rd and 24th in order to buy Christmas presents. We know that December 25th is Christmas every year. It doesn't change, but we still wait to the last minute. And that's just human nature. But the big deadline spurs us to action. And also, when we're doing a change, a transformation, whether it's 30 days or 60 days, and we get halfway through, all of a sudden we see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're on that home stretch when we're halfway through. And as we get closer to the finish line, it's like in a marathon, we actually find a little bit of a second wind as we get closer to that deadline and we're able to push a little bit harder and take more action. So when all five of those are combined, the planning and preparation, the professional accountability, the social support, the meaningful incentive, and that big deadline, you can really change any aspect of your life very, very quickly. It's really inspiring, Craig. And, you know, I wonder, you've been a coach and a trainer for such a large part of your life. Which one of these pillars do people struggle the most with in your experience? Oh, that's a really great question. And the answer is, first of all, it's going to be positive social support. And second, it's going to be professional accountability. But there's ways to overcome that. So positive social support, especially for people in the weight loss transformation world, is, you know, they work with people who are bringing in donuts and bringing in candy and bringing in, you know, all their kids stuff that they don't want to have at home. And so that is difficult. Or the people at work are always peer pressuring them. Oh, come on, we'll go to Pizza Hut for lunch. You know, what's wrong with you? You're no fun anymore. And it's tough. It's really tough. For a lot of people to overcome that. And it can be in the same way about saving money or getting out of debt. You know, people are like saying, oh, you're not coming out anymore. You're not going to go to happy hour with us anymore. You're not fun. And it can really wear you down. 
Now, the good thing is research shows that online social support is as powerful as real world in-person social support. So you can go and find Facebook groups. You can find coaching programs online. You can join forums. You can meet people on the Internet that are going to give you the positive social support that will pick you up on those days. And so you just have to look and keep looking. And also in your community, you will find good people who want to help you. And then with the professional accountability, if people struggle, they don't have any money to hire a coach, that's okay. You start with what I call virtual mentors. You listen to podcasts like this. You go on YouTube and you find videos from people who are coaches that you connect with. You watch Tony Robbins' videos. You go to the library. You get his books for free. And you keep on exploring and figuring out who's going to be the best mentor for me. And when you make a little bit of money or if you have a little bit of free money from what you've learned from this coach, then you go and invest in their course. And then you invest in their seminar. And then you invest in their coaching. And you work your way up. Because that's what I did as a struggling, broke personal trainer back in 2003. That's how I invested in my coaching and my mentors and eventually had the big breakthroughs with them on my side. So those are the two pillars that people struggle with the most. But thanks to the Internet, they're actually easier to overcome than ever before. I understand also, Craig, that you have personally struggled with anxiety in your life. And can you tell us a little bit about how that has informed who you are and how you've used some of these rules and tactics to overcome that? Yeah, it's a great question. And so I actually struggled with severe anxiety. I'm not talking like, oh, you know, at the end of the day, I feel kind of stressed out. No, this was a six week period in my life around 2006, where I actually would wake up in the morning and I'd have tingles from the top of my head all the way down to my fingertips. My chest was tight. I couldn't breathe. My heart rate was elevated. And again, this went on for six weeks straight, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I could only sleep a few hours at a time. I no longer could really focus on my exercise. And it was because I just wasn't living according to the rules that were best for me. I was staying out too late. I was working too many hours. I was just burning the candle at both ends. And at that time, I was 30 years old, and I just wasn't obviously 20 anymore, and I couldn't do it. And so what I realized a couple years later after I beat the anxiety was that I used my five pillars. But at the time, I was just trying anything. I was doing meditation. I was hiring yoga instructors. I was doing this thing called Qigong, which is like a standing meditation. I was trying everything. And so I also better planned and prepared for my days. I was reduced my caffeine. I stopped drinking alcohol and I lived a better life through planning and preparation. And again, I hired those yoga coaches as my professional accountability. I had friends who could offer me social support and I had a meaningful incentive, which was just built in that, you know, once you've struggled with anxiety, you know, the only thing you want to do is get back to good health. And that's the same with any type of health issue. You just don't know what you're missing until it's gone. And so that was a meaningful incentive, again, was internal and built into me. And then finally, a big deadline. At the same time, it just happened that I was launching one of my fitness products, and the launch was in July, and the anxiety started in March. And I knew that come that launch day, I couldn't be under this anxiety. And so I had that deadline in the future, and that drove me again to go and try all of these things and hire coaches and do everything I possibly could in order to overcome that anxiety. But first, I did go through some very, very difficult times. I went to the hospital twice for this, but fortunately, the doctors were kind and polite and helped me through it. And fortunately, at the end of all of this, I was able to overcome the anxiety a few weeks before my product launch. I beat that deadline. And with those five pillars in place, I overcame probably the lowest point in my life. 
Craig, I know that's a very personal thing, and it takes a lot of courage to talk about that, and we really appreciate you sharing that with our listeners today. Well, I mean, there's 5% of people who struggle with anxiety, and 5% of your listeners might be struggling with it right now. And ever since going through that and knowing how difficult it was, uh, really it's become one of my missions to go out there and share with other people, strangers, even though it's an embarrassing story to me, just show people that you can get through it. Here are a couple of ways. Obviously, I recommend people go to their doctor and get checked out first for real serious issues. But there are things that you can do. And this goes for any situation in life. Again, if you're in debt, if you're struggling with body fat, whatever it is, don't give up. Just put those pillars in place and you'll make progress every day. And eventually one day you'll have what I call the whoosh effect, which is where even if you feel like you're struggling, all of a sudden you'll get massive success in a very short amount of time and you will overcome those obstacles and hurdles in your life. And Craig, with those hurdles, how do you pick out what's most important right now? Which are the priorities from your view? That's a great question, too. And it really comes down to something that my friend, uh, a pastor named Luciano Del Monte, said to me. He said, Craig, we're all in a season of life, a different season of life. And so you might be in a season of health where, you know, you've spent the last 20 years building your business and your family, but you've let yourself go. And now what you really need to do is if you want to avoid becoming diabetic, you actually have to really put priority on your health. And so that'll be the thing that you wake up in the morning and focus on for 15 minutes, whether it's preparing better meals or whether it's doing a little exercise. And that is the season of your life. And so that guides your priorities. Or maybe you're a young man or woman who's just gotten engaged and you know that you need to buy a house and save up a little nest egg so that you can support your first child when you have it in a couple of years. Well, you'll season of wealth building and that will drive your priorities and your daily activities. Of course, you'll never set aside your relationships or your health. But they're going to be focusing their number one priority, their time in the morning, so that they are really focused on identifying ways in which they can build their wealth and build their nest egg and, you know, make for a great family life. And then someone like my mother who's retired and who's doing okay with her finances, she's going to be focused on personal development. She does charity and volunteer work. And that's what is her number one priority right now. And so everyone has that season of life and it will dictate what you're going to focus on, and how you're going to concentrate on what counts. You know, Craig, another thing that you talked about in your book that we sometimes take for granted is goal setting. So I think for business owners, you know, we think of goals and sometimes we think of those in terms of quarterly goals or annual goals, or sometimes you're setting a project goal and saying, oh, okay, well, I want to try to get this project done by March that we're working on, or I want to get this presentation done by next Tuesday. And you talked about something, though, called process goals. And I thought that was really an interesting concept. Can you tell us a little bit more about the difference between a process goal and an outcome goal and how those work together? Yeah, sure. So something like an outcome goal would be, I want to make an extra $10,000 this quarter, or I'm going to get this project done. You know, we're going to build this new addition to our facility. And so that is the outcome. But what actually has to be done? What are the steps that have to take place in order to get that outcome? So what we learned from the Stoic philosophy is that we can only control what we can, and that is our thoughts, words, and deeds. We can't control the outcome. We can't control exactly how much money we're going to make. We can set that as a goal, but we don't control it. However, we control the actions we take, and those are the process goals. So if we want to make an extra $10,000 – 
and we can make $1,000 for each presentation that we do, we need to figure out how can I do 10 more presentations? And if it requires knocking on five doors in order to get one presentation, then that means I need to knock on 50 doors. And that's the first thing that I can control is knocking on 50 doors. And then obviously I can also improve my closing ability and my sales presentation, but I can't control whether or not I actually hit that 10,000. So that is what it's all about. And it all comes from the weight loss world where, again, you can say that you want to lose 20 pounds, but you can't control exactly how much weight you lose. But you can control what you eat. You can control your exercise habits. You can control whether or not you get a good night's sleep. And those are the factors that you focus on. Those are your process goals. And when you focus on your process goals and you do all the right things, you will reach your outcome goals in time. Craig, in some of the readings, I notice, you know, there's this nice alignment between structure and that equaling freedom and having more structure in our life at specific points can really gain that freedom that we're all looking for as business owners. Can you comment on that? Absolutely. And really, if we don't have structure in our life, which, again, a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, I've already got enough structure. I don't want more. And they're resisting this. But again, it goes back to that example of if we didn't have red lights, if we didn't have structure on our streets, just imagine the chaos we would descend into. And it's the same with our life. If we don't say to ourselves, you know, what? I'm not allowed to check the Internet, or I'm not allowed to check personal email between work hours. Then otherwise, the next thing you know, we're on the Internet surfing around and we end up wasting our time. We don't get our work done by five o'clock. That means we have to work late and we're struggling to get home and our relationships at home suffer because we're late. And it all comes down, again, to not having enough structure about our work habits during the day. So what we need to do is go and identify the distractions and temptations that come up. And we need to figure out ways that we can overcome those. And it might be that you use something like an Internet Freedom Program if you find yourself surfing the Internet too much, like Rescue Time. And that way you block yourself from going on sites like Facebook. Some of us need that. Some of us don't, but some of us do. And so when we have more structure like that, we get more done, and we actually have the freedom at night to go and concentrate on what really matters, which is being present with our family. That's great. Occasionally, I can see a situation where you develop your structure, and it may conflict with someone else that's important into your life, or many people that are important to your life and their structures. How would you deal with that? Well, a great example is, the rule that I recommend everyone have, which is having a regular bedtime. And of course, if you have a regular bedtime, you say, oh, I'm going to go to bed 10 p.m. every night. That sounds good in theory. And it works really great for maybe Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe even Thursday. But Friday night, you're invited out to a, a show or you're invited out to a dinner. Same with Saturday night. What do you do there? Well, the answer is you will deviate a little bit, but don't deviate too far. Realize that at the end of the day, in the end of life, what really matters is not money and stuff that we've accumulated, but people and experiences. And so you have to sit there and make a good judgment objectively about what really matters here. Does it really matter if I stick to my bedtime or is it better to lose an hour or two of sleep in order to have a conversation that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life with somebody who really matters to me? So yes, I'm big on structure, but... I'm not so big on structure that I want somebody to live a robotic life. I just want them to get more out of their days by having that little bit more structure so that they can have that freedom to make the decisions again about the people and the experiences that are going to bring them the happiness 
and gratitude into their life that they'll remember forever. It reminds me so much about music and, you know, the way that you have been inspired by fitness and inspired others. I think of that a lot in music, how, you know, there's a discipline that you develop as a musician. And in the beginning, it's fundamentals. It's understanding rudiments and sound and notes and playing scales. And that can be boring and, and that can feel confining when you first learn the discipline of how that all works. But it is that same discipline that then sets you free and allows you to improvise and allows you to write and create your own things. And so it's really inspiring to hear you describe it that way. Well, that is the first time anyone's ever used that analogy. And I really appreciate it because I never thought about that way because I don't have a music background. But I love the analogy. I'll probably steal that and use it because it's so, so good. Well, thank you for that, Craig. And thanks again for being such a great guest today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So for our business owners, we've covered so much ground today. And this book is just, I find it to be really inspirational and just full of so many great ideas and actions. Of those things, you know, what is the number one thing? If, I, if I'm a business owner, I've heard the show and I, I'm inspired. I want to take action right now. What is the number one action step a listener can take today to take control of their time and their day? I mentioned it a couple of times already, but it's really about getting up 5, 10, or 15 minutes early, knowing your number one priority, whether it's a problem to solve or an opportunity to take advantage of, and just sitting there and thinking. Because most people don't actually get a lot of time to think about their big problems and opportunities in life. And it goes back to something I heard Lee Iapoca say when he was the CEO of Chrysler. And he said, I have all these meetings and over the course of the day, I don't even get 15 minutes to think. And if a man like that in such a position doesn't get 15 minutes to think, just imagine the small business owner. And so we need to proactively set aside thinking time so that we can think big for our lives. And that's the number one thing that our listeners can do tomorrow. Craig, that's fantastic advice and want to thank you so much again for being here today. And is there anything else you'd like to offer our listeners? Yes. I have a section of the book that will help them get off to a perfect start, and it's called my 103210 formula. And our listeners can get that at craigballantine.com forward slash free gift. Fantastic. Our guest today has been productivity and success transformation coach, Craig Ballantyne, and he's been talking about his new book, The Perfect Day Formula. You can learn more about Craig at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.